Father, we worship you this morning. Let's just have just everyone stand on your feet. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I feel like we're breaking through. Like a caterpillar breaking through, being transformed. The things that have held you for so long. God is releasing his anointing. As you worship him, the power is building up from inside you. And it's propelling you out. You're taking, you, you're being transformed. Metamorphosis. That process is what you're going through now. Just lift your hand and say, God, release me. Release me to a new form. Release me to a new form, Lord. Yes, Lord, from a caterpillar to a, a butterfly. With beauty, Lord. Oh, Father, we thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We worship you, Jesus. I hear the Lord saying, come up here. Come up here. He's accelerating your revelations for. That has not departed from my mind. God is saying, come up here. You're being prepared. You're being prepared to be launched like a... Like, like a a, a propeller of sort. Like a rocket. That's the word I was looking for. God is preparing to launch you. He has been preparing. He is working in you to launch you. To, his, to the high place. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. They are being prepared like a rocket. Literally, I'm seeing like engineers fixing you. Fixing the things that are within you. God is going to propel us. Amen. Thank you, Father. Lord, we ask that you propel us this morning. We ask that you release your anointing, anointing that breaks the yoke. Anointing that breaks the yoke. Lord, whatever is holding us from taking our place, Father, we pray that we'll be loosed this day. In the name of Jesus, we give you thanks, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a praise. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Good morning, once more. Are you there? Are you awake? Let's greet your neighbor for me and say, Emmanuel, say good morning. Thank you, Kirk and the team, for leading us into forming that power that will propel us, that will break us through from this life to the new life that God wants us to live. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Ryan, again, and Pastor Nell for the opportunity. Are you ready for God's word this morning? Amen. Amen. I'm speaking to you this morning about transform God's transforming love, the love of the Father. And there's going to be some teaching of sort. Amen. Amen. But I believe as we go through this teaching, there will be something that will be building within you. Amen. Amen. You're ready. All right. So what is transformation really? Um, well, transformation is a marked change. Uh, this is a definition. A uh, marked change in form, nature, and character or appearance. That's what fun 
transformation is. And there are some words that correlate that, conversion, transfiguration, metamorphosis, like I was talking about the, the um, butterfly, and evolution, and revival. All that is transformation, amen. Transformation from a biblical term means to have a change of heart, a change of life. When God transforms us, he's changing our life or changing our heart. And that requires your whole being, your spirit, soul, and body. That's how God is going to transform you. And I know sometimes we look at kind of the outcome, we look for the outcome, and then we forget about the input and the process. The input is very important. The, the leading, I call it the leading indicators. We look at the, the blessings, the healing. We forget about the actual process and the input that goes with it, which is faith, obedience, love, trust. That's the input and the process that God takes us through. We need to be patient to be transformed and obedient. And we need to focus our eyes not on the outcome, but the input and the process. By the way, for the, for the butterfly if you, or the caterpillar, if you mess up, mess up with that process, the caterpillar dies. So you need to be patient. As the power builds within you to push that butterfly out, you have to be patient and go through the process. And I believe with all my heart that the, what we've been going through in this season is that process. It may be hard. It may feel like it's a hard, hard word coming through, but God is preparing us for something. And you will see when I talk about the transformation of some of the men of God in the Bible, you see that there's actually a change of name. So this change from harvest to frontline is very prophetic. I know it probably didn't figure that out, but it's very prophetic. God is taking us to a new place. Amen. 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 I'm sure you believe that. So I just read from Romans 12 verse 2. It says, and I like this from the Passion Translation. It says, stop imitating the, the, the idols and the opinions of the culture around you. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life. Who doesn't want to live a beautiful life? satisfying and perfect in his eyes. That's all what we strive for. But how are we going to do that? Through our minds being transformed and changed. God's transformation is a, is a process and it's, it's not an event. Yes, it starts by you saying, giving your life to Christ, but it's a process. It's not something that just happens and that's it. And you will see, as I share, some of uh, the men who were transformed in the Bible. It begins when you invite him into your life, or into our lives, by faith. And never stops until you reflect Jesus fully. That's God's transformation. It never stops. 
I don't know any of us here who thinks like this, like Jesus. But we are all striving towards, by reflecting his character through this transformation, God is actually changing us to the likeness of Christ. Second Corinthians uh, 3 verse 18 says, and you will be, and, and we all, I'm reading from the Amplified, um, we all with unveiled face, continually seeing, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are progressively being transformed into his image. From one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the, who is, who is, who is the Spirit. That's what transformation is. That's where we need to be. We're being transformed, moved from where we are. We keep looking at Jesus, and our life begins to reflect Jesus, the love of Christ. God loves us so much. His love is what called you out of the world that you are, you are in. He sent his son to come and transform our lives, giving us a spiritual heart that will last for eternity. That is the love of God. And if you're here and you've never experienced that love or that touch from God, I would like to give you an opportunity, even at this stage. I know I'm just starting, but it's very important for you. The only way you can receive the transformation of God is by you accepting him by faith. That's how it starts. So is there anyone who's keen this morning? Sorry for that. Anyone? It's very strange. I've just started the sermon and I'm, I'm making another call. Because the Holy Spirit is telling me to do that. Alright, as we go on, and if you feel late, you just stand. I'll, 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 notify, I'll identify you and we pray for you this morning. Without Jesus, we cannot experience God's love. Maybe the question you should ask yourself, how much of Jesus do you actually have? Is Jesus just present in your life? That is sometimes. Is he present in your life all the time? Or just most of the time? I want us to just pause in that question. And in Romans 5 verse 8 says, but Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying on our place while we were still lost and ungodly. That is from the Passion Translation. First John 3 verse 1 says, look with wonder, I like the, the Passion Translation, at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that he has lavished on us he has called us and made us his very own beloved children. The reason the world does not recognize who we are is that they did not recognize him. 
So for the world to experience the transformation, we need to take the gospel out. We need to take Jesus out there. That's the only way we'll transform, by the way. The rest of the other things will, will come on. Transformation is by re revealing the love of Christ to the world around us. For us to transform and restore societies and lives, we need to take the love of Christ. And I hope, I hope it's stirring something up in your spirit. We all have the ability to transform nations and society by taking the love of Christ out there. And that's what God is calling and counting on us as frontline church, to take his love out there. All that we're doing is preparing us to be effective ministers and witnesses of Jesus. You cannot witness Jesus if you have not experienced him. It's not a coincidence that this church is focusing on building us and us experiencing Christ in worship, in the word that is coming out, so that by the time you're full of Christ, when somebody meets you, says there's something that is different from this guy. And it's already happening. Somebody just comes and says, which church do you go to? And you're like, how do you know? Without you saying anything. Because there's, there's a glory that is reflecting outside. As you're being transformed inside, there's evidence that is showing up in the outside. And that evidence can be healing. You can just look at somebody and they are healed. Just your shadows and somebody is transformed or healed. And you'll see as, as we go through the examples. So I'll just take some, some lives that were transformed in the Bible. <clears throat> there are lots, lots of examples of transformation in the Bible, right from Abraham. Remember God called Abraham and changed his name. You will see the, the pattern is from Abraham to Abraham. Sorry, from Abraham to Abraham. From Saul to Paul. From Simon to Peter. From harvest to front line. There's something, there's some correlation there that we must see and we shouldn't miss it. There's a reason. It wasn't some clever guys going around and saying we need now to be called front line. There's a reason, there's a reason for that. One of the clearest pictures of identity transformation in the Bible is in the life of the two apostles, Apostle Paul and Apostle Peter. And I'll just go through some of the, the transformation that went through their lives. I'll start with uh, Simon. And if you're part of the uh, connect groups, you must have already experienced uh, some of what I'm talking about. How God transformed Simon into Peter. And the things that he dealt with. So I'll just cover some of those. Simon found himself as this guy who had a sense of identity and security in his own ability. He thought he could do it all. He felt was competent. He felt like he had the world in his hands. He had all the power. The guy was taking on soldiers, a legion of soldiers. 
one guy. That is how he was feeling. And I'm sure some of us are like that. We want to do it ourselves. But you know that your strength will fail you. And his strength failed him. He was full of courage. So confident when he was answering Jesus. Jesus was telling him that this day you will deny or say never. Forget it. Not a chance. And in Luke 5, and I'll just um, Luke 5, 11, uh, 1 to 11, Simon resisted Jesus' instruction, and you can read that. I'm just giving you the references so that you can read. His instruction, but he reluctantly accepted his instruction. And Simon, uh, his character, Peter's character was so funny. It was like very hot now, very cold, very hot, very cold. So, so he reluctantly, and this was the story of um, Jesus telling them launch into the deep for a greater catch. So when he saw the outcome, it's kind of like us. We, look, we wait for the result, not the input. He ignored the input and then reluctantly said, okay, let's, let's do it. And then when he saw the outcome, he fell on his knees and said, Lord, I'm a sinful man. But Jesus did not leave him because Jesus was taking him through a process. He just said, Jesus encouraged him not to be afraid and gave him a promotion, by the way. He said, from catching fish, now you're going to catch men. That's a big promotion, right? And he had just failed and refused to listen to his instruction. In Matthew 16, from 16 to 23, Jesus uh, Jesus declares Simon as Peter, the rock, and gives him this so much authority. The guy was being given the keys of heaven. Come on. He was given so, so much authority in, in, in in this passage. And then just a few verses down the road, God is calling, Jesus is calling him Satan. So the guy was very cold, very hot. Very cold, very hot. But God was taking him through, was shading off some of those characters from him and was taking him through. And you'll see uh, as, we go, as we go through this. God rebukes him, calls him certain for hindering his plan or his work. And then in Matthew 26, from 31 to 35, Simon disowns Jesus three times. Really. Having seen all those things, really? Yeah. It, it disowns, and we saw this through our, uh, the video that we, we watched. This owns him three times, and Jesus did not give up on him. If, if you are Jesus, you would have just said, no, I think let's look for somebody else to do this work. <laughs> this guy clearly is not going to get it. Let's look for somebody else. Yeah. He denies him three times very confidently, having been so confident that he won't deny him. And then he denied him. The Bible says he went and wept after he realized what he had done. He cried. So that is Peter. Luke 22, from 31 to 33, it says, Simon, Simon. And, and, and this scripture here is, even with that, Jesus provided insurance for him. Up front, 
And was telling him, and we read this through, uh, uh, we listened to this through the connection. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith will not fail you. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and even to die. The guy was even rejecting the insurance. Jesus knew that he was going to deny him. And he, provided, he prayed for him up front to prepare him. And in, in, now we see some, um, after Jesus, sorry, after Peter disowning Jesus, in John 21, 15-17, Jesus restores him and asks him three times. Three times, saying, do you love me? Do you love me? And Jesus is asking that us today, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Take care of my sheep. And this is after he had gone through all those and he had shared all those characters. God was now ready to use him and giving him even a bigger responsibility. And then he said, Lord, you know I love you and you know everything. Because he was ready now. God had dealt with all the unbelief, the self-confidence uh, or righteousness that he had, and God was now ready to prepare him. Peter, his entire heart and life transformed by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit of God, was no longer self-centered, but bold to harvest souls. This guy was the, he harvested the first batch of souls, the 3,000 in Acts in Acts 2.41. He heals the lame in Acts, in, in Acts 3.6. And he was so quickly to say, don't look at us. Do you see a very different person there now? From where he was, the love of God had transformed him. And he was very quick to say, don't look at us. It's not us, it's Jesus. Very quickly. Because he was now operating in a new form. He had been completely transformed. And he gives glory back to God. You know, we also know that in Joppa, he actually raised Tabitha from, dead, from the dead in Acts 9.40. But Peter's humility and loving kindness are evident all through the, the first Peter and second Peter. If you see, if you read first, I, I would encourage you to read first Peter and second Peter. You see how God had transformed and changed him, the kind of language that he was talking. The kind of experiencing. One of the things that I also want to note here is that those things that he had so dear is the one he was addressing in, in, uh, in First Peter and Second Peter. He was addressing them. The things that he used to, the way of life that he used to live. He was actually helping others break through from that life. And God, God, started speaking to him, and I'll read just uh, one of them in First uh, Peter 5, from 5 to 6. In the same way, you who are young, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Because God opposes the proud, 
but he shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Imagine this was the proud guy. He had been completely transformed by the love of God. And why am I saying by the love of God? Because Jesus never wavered on him. Despite the fact that he denied him, Jesus continued loving him, loving him, showing him love. And because of that, he went through this transformation. It was absolute work of the Holy Spirit. For you to be transformed, it's not, you, it's not in your strength. It's, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to get that point. You can try in your, to be self-righteous and use your energy and you not, you, your strength will fail you. But if you trust in the Holy Spirit, he will transform, he will take you through the process of transformation. That is why we love the Holy Spirit in this church. Because we know that for us to be able to transform nations and cities, we need to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And then Saul, let's look quickly uh, uh, at Saul. Saul, born in Greek city called Tyrus, very prosperous city and renowned for the center of education and philosophy. That was kind of the Harvard of this world, or MIT of this, uh, this world, in philosophy. He hated, judged, and persecuted the church, and all authority, in, and had all the authority, and all form of religion. He actually refers to himself as one of the Pharisees, and was trained by one of the best Pharisees. And then this, we we see God transforming him into this power. This guy was full of power and full of wealth. He, he just wanted, he's kind of a typical person today. You want power, you want politics, you want wealth, yeah, as, accumulate as many cars as you can, which is good. But you won't go with that to eternity. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. And I like the illustration of that red rope. We concentrate, we focus so much in the small part of life and we forget eternity, which is where we should focus. The transformation of Saul was an event in the life of uh, Saul that led to him ceasing from persecuting the, uh, the church. And this is in Acts 9. If you want to read the life of Paul, you go through the whole book of Acts, you'll see... Uh, the things that he went through and how he was being transformed continually before he started writing the other books. Paul experienced two transformations in his life. The first was his conversion, and I believe, and that's why I started with the altar call. I believe that if you have been, you have given your life to Christ, transformation begins there. That's the first, first step of transformation. So you have to give your life to Christ. And it, and it says there that the first was conversion when his heart was transformed, putting off the old man and putting on the new man. And he talks about that. An act of faith, but his second transformation was a longer process. 
was a continuous process, never ends. And in Galatians 2, verse 20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. Now this is the transformed Paul. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave me and gave himself for me. This was, this was uh, Paul. Because of his great humility, God could begin to work a work of transformation in him. And, and we see that in Romans 8, uh, 29. For those God forsake, sorry, foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be first born among many brothers. This was God transforming. And in Philippians uh, uh, 1.21 says his power, it talks about his powerful testimony. When he said that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. This was a completely transformed man from where he was. Philippians 3.10 uh, says, he says, Father, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being transformed to, to his death, sorry, conformed to his death. This is the new Paul. Second Timothy 4 verse 7 to 8 says, Then at the end of his, uh, his life, Paul was able to say, I have fought a good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me only, but also to, to all who have loved his appearing. So this is a transform, a completely transformed life a fulfilled life. How many of us would want to live that life where you say, I've, I've run a good race. I've made my impact on this world. That's all we, we all desire. That's the only thing that will count, living a fulfilled life like Paul lived here. Paul lived a life of a prayerful appreciation and gratitude. In First Thessalonians 5, uh, from 16 to 18 says in the message, be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belong to Christ to live. His life had been completely transformed. And I guess you're sitting here saying, but Emmanuel, that was in the old days. We are living in a new world. How is this relevant to me? God is still alive. God is still at work. God is transforming us from being harvest to a frontline church, a church in the front line. That's what God is doing. So you should ask yourself if people like Peter and Paul could become deeply converted. 
then why can't we? If that ragged, stubborn-hearted, hard, rock-hearted men like Saul and Simon could be transformed with this love, how much more? I don't know how many of you feel like Paul or Peter in this church today. Sometimes we, we are like them. I remember in the uh, Connect session that we had this week, after watching that video, we all felt just restless. Because it was piercing our hearts. Because talking about pride, for those of you, I really encourage you to join the Connect group. Please. You're missing out if you're not in the Connect group. I'm, I'm serious about this. It's not for pastor. It's for you. It's for me. If you can, join the Connect group. I mean, we're sitting there and feeling like, wow. Whatever they were talking about, Peter, we could see ourselves through. How we've been proud and arrogant and self-righteousness. The reason why we're actually blocking the world from knowing Christ is because of our self-righteousness. They are Muslims. I don't want to associate with them. How will they know the love of Christ if you don't want to associate with them? How? Because we've declared ourselves as self-righteous and we're preventing God from doing his work. And we learned some truths, obviously, in that. If you have not watched the video, please, I encourage you to watch it. Like Peter, God saved us. He wants, us to, he wants to transform us by his love so he can accomplish the great things through us, regardless of our background. I mean, you just look at the background of Peter and, and Simon, those boys. Regardless of your color, regardless of what you have experienced before, God wants to transform you so that you bring transformation in this earth. If we are to fulfill that vision, we need to work with the Holy Spirit to transform us. And I can tell you with confidence that you are a good candidate for this. I can give you a 100% guarantee. If you are doubting that, Emmanuel, you don't know what I've done, or you don't know what I go through, you are a good candidate for this transformation. Revival is going to start from this church. I say that with a lot of authority, because I know it. I'm seeing it. And it's not going to be the fluffy stuff. If you're, if you're waiting for people to, if you're waiting for fluffy stuff, forget it. God is transforming us from the inside with his love. He's taking away pride. That is how revival is going to start. I'm serious. As hard as we feel we're being shaved and pruned, that is where revival starts. Once that energy, that once that strength is fully built, built up on us, the external things will begin to happen. You'll see miracles like never before. Both Paul and Peter... They saw miracles. They were raising up people from the dead. They are, one of them, his shadow was healing people. They had been transformed from the inside. 
and you are a good candidate for that. As simplistic as we think is happening here, revival is going to start from here in South Africa and for the continent. Revival is starting, is breaking out. Transformation does not happen sometimes so rapidly. It's a process. So while you're being transformed, we need to understand the necessity of focusing our hearts and minds on Christ rather than the money, the power, the control, the fame. We need to focus our, our heart on love, obedience, service. Those are the inputs that you require, and we can go on and on. The inputs, not the outputs. If you're thinking revival is going to bring, uh, you're waiting for money, see money, then you say, oh, revival has come. You've missed it already. Revival is going to happen from the inside of you. I just want to encourage you that it takes the supernatural work of God to be transformed by renewing our minds in his word. It's not your works, not by works, it's not by might, it's by the Holy Spirit. And you have the Holy Spirit, gentlemen and ladies, you have the Holy Spirit. So you are a good candidate for transformation. You are already being transformed, even if you don't see by being taught to break away from pride, to love, to have faith, you're already being transformed. In Titus 3, verse 4 to 6 says, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not, not because of righteous things, we are done, but because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewed and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out to us generously through Christ Jesus, our Savior. That's the transformation. That's the love of Christ. He has given us assurance of his love. God prepared Peter and Paul, and I believe he's preparing us. He's preparing us as front line to bring revival, to transform cities and nations. He's preparing us to bring that transformation and transfiguration and to restore lives. There are lives out there who are, that is in disarray. God is counting on you. God is counting on me to bring that transformation. Are you willing? Are you ready to allow the work of the Holy Spirit to work from within you to bring that transformation? Are you ready? Are you willing? I've asked you this many times. Like Jesus asked, do you love me? Are you willing? Are you ready to take Jesus out there? It starts with you. It starts with 
him working on you, cutting off the things that will hinder those people from coming into the kingdom. Those thoughts that you have about Muslims. Those barriers, God is breaking them. He needs to break them. Once he breaks them, you will be freed to be able to transform nations and cities. Why don't we just stand and pray? And I just want you to surrender. A brother has given his life to Christ. Let's just worship God for that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I want you to just begin to reflect as we conclude. Begin to reflect on these things that I've, I've been talking about. What is it that is hindering you? The best thing you can do is surrender to Christ because you can't do it yourself. So I want you to just begin to surrender. Speak to God. Let God speak to you. Open your heart to him and receive his abundant love. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit this morning. Just, just begin to, to, to pray. Just begin to lift up God. Lord, we thank you for your word. Your word that is a two-edged sword. Father, we know, King of glory, that in our own strength we are weak, but yet you are strong when we are weak. Father, we know it's not by power, it's not by might, but by your spirit. We surrender this day for your spirit to take full control of our lives. We will not be driven by the things of this world, but we will be driven by your love, by your passion. Lord, even that song that says, let, let what breaks your heart break ours. Align us to your will this morning. Just begin to speak to him. Speak to the Lord by yourself. Begin to pray in the spirit. Oh, Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for my brothers, my sisters, who are standing here ready to be propelled as frontliners, Lord. Lord, you have called us with a purpose as frontline church. You have even translated our name from harvest to frontline. Lord, we may not understand the spiritual significance of this, but Lord, we believe that you're doing something new, completely new in this church. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I release your power, your power that breaks the yoke. Your power that breaks the yoke, your power, your anointing that breaks the yoke. I release it upon your people this morning. I release it in the mighty name of Jesus. I release every heart that is broken, Lord. Lord, you say that you've come to mend the brokenhearted. Mend our hearts, Lord. Restore us to our original purpose and identity, Lord. That we may be able to serve you freely, Lord. That we may be able to reflect your life in the marketplace, that we may be able to reflect your life in the communities where we live. We thank you, Father. We give you praise. We worship you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.